0: sleepcoolnow.com, 1212.
1: Good evening and welcome. To the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. My name is John Ziegler. This is the show where we talk about the news of the week, the events of my often bizarre life, and where we provide you with a three-hour oasis of honesty and rationality in the desert of insanity and deceit, which is the American media, cultural, and political landscape. As usual, tons to get to over the next three hours, including Sean Hannity going after me, not once, not twice, not three times, but four times unprovoked on Twitter, Friday night in a way that'll tell you everything you need to know about the state of the conservative media, especially when it comes to Donald Trump. But first, I want to bring in our favorite guest on the program, a guy who we've had on before. In fact, we had him on a couple weeks ago and I wanted to bring him back for a couple reasons. One, because there was news I wanted to discuss with him and two, that conversation got cut off before we were able to talk about the news media coverage of the presidential election and how we're now living in this brand new era post-Trump, post-truth and how the news media is handling that. He's Congressman John Yarmuth, my old buddy from Louisville, Kentucky, the home of the Heisman Trophy winner, Lamar Jackson. Uh, so uh, I'm sure he's very happy about that. Congressman Yarmuth, welcome back to the program.
2: Thank you, John. Yeah, we're all, we're all just totally psyched about uh, Lamar. What a, what a great thing for him and for the community and the university. It's, it's very exciting.
1: All right. Well, John is a Democrat. Uh, he's one of the few Democrats that does talk radio regularly, and the only one I know of that actually tells the truth when he comes on talk radio. <laughs> so it's one of the reasons why we love uh, talking to him, other than the fact that he's a good friend of mine. The the news hook that, that had me want to have you back on the show so soon, John, is the news that broke uh, Friday night in the uh, Washington Post, that it now appears as if the CIA is completely convinced that russia did in fact hack into for lack of a better term this presidential election and that they did so with the intent to help donald trump defeat hillary clinton as a democrat and a hillary supporter i'm curious how confident are you that that's actually true and what do you think is really going on here
2: well um you know i have to assume that whether smoke this fire um it's not, you know. It. I know that there were 17 different uh, national uh, intelligence agencies that had come to some similar conclusions. So this is not just CIA, uh, and you know I, I think that clearly the the calls for in further investigation and the the president's um, ordering a um, um, an a assess, uh, further assessment of all this uh, or, uh, totally justified I, I mean I, I, I'm thinking about my <laughs> my senior senator and the majority leader and also the Speaker of the House and wondering how in the world a leader of this country, uh, the majority leader of the Senate and the Speaker of the House uh, can kind of take a pass on all this and, and just kind of shrug it off and say oh well, well whatever and and not demand that um, that the Congress of the United States do everything it can to get to the bottom of this. It clearly is um, a frightening prospect. And forget whether the election was affected or not. I don't think that's the important uh, the important element of this. It's, um, it's frightening when a foreign government can uh, can use its techni- its technical technological expertise to uh, Try and affect the election. I don't know if it affected the outcome at all. But what, even if they were trying and they were able to um, use the, their um, their prowess to, to even affect the strategy, is frightening.
1: Well, well, Congressman Yarmouth I'm I'm sure that your Democratic colleagues are going to rightfully pitch a fit about this, but obviously you're in the minority dramatically in the House and you know, enough in the Senate to where you, you don't have the ability to control the agenda. What's your sense as to whether or not you guys are going to be able to force enough Republicans to take this seriously so that there's a legitimate investigation?
2: Well, that's a good question. Uh, you know, in the, in the Senate, uh, we have um, Lindsey Graham and John McCain, kind of the usual suspects in, the, in this kind of situation, uh, joining, uh, joining Democratic leaders in Calling for an investigation, we haven't had that same bipartisanship in the House. I suspect that there will be some people um, over the next couple of weeks who will uh, will, will put uh, country over over partisanship and say, "Yeah, we really ought to look into this." Uh, so far, the, the the chairman of the uh, uh, Oversight and Government Reform Committee in in the uh, House, Jason Chavitz, has Kind of done the same thing, saying, "Well, we're, that's not our not our top priority. We're not going to worry about this for the time being." Uh, this is really, really pretty scary. And as as you know, if it, if the t- if the tables were turned and this were the opposite part- partisan partisan uh, result, uh, oh. the, the Republicans would be going. Oh. Uh, <laughs> totally bananas. P.S. crazy. Uh, bananas. I mean, yes.
1: Republicans would be going bananas, and rightfully so. Rightfully and so, so. And and, and so, yeah, you know, one of the many things, as you know, John, that has driven me crazy about the, the Trump phenomenon is the level of hypocrisy that it has exposed on my side. Because we're now we're doing all the same things we've accused you guys of doing for, for many years, right or wrong. And yeah. it's just it's nauseating. And I hope you're right that somebody is going to put country over party, but I I have some suspicions that that they won't. And and when we look at the way that the Trump uh, forces and the the transition team has handled this, they did two things in the 24 hours after this report about the CIA coming to this conclusion about Russia hacking into the election on behalf of Donald Trump that were absolutely mind-blowing. The first was that statement that they put out, which looked like a parody. Uh, I mean, didn't didn't that statement seem like a parody of something Donald Trump would put out in this situation? I'm assuming oh, you I, read it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I mean, this, this whole thing is is stranger than fiction.
1: Yeah, it's a bad uh, movie. And, and by the yeah. way, John, I think that's part of the problem. I think that what we're dealing here with is so insane, so nuts that people are discounting it. Because it feels like it can't be
2: true. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? No, I think I think you're absolutely right. right so we the are, other we are we are, we are in the twilight zone.
1: Yeah, it's the twilight zone. And and the other out thing that the, the Trump forces did, and I'm not sure that this was a, an accurate leak. I think this might have been an inaccurate leak, which makes it even more bizarre. But it was leaked on Saturday that that uh, former oil company <laughs> head Rex Tillerson, who is buddies with Putin is likely to be the new secretary of state. Now, what do you make of that on on the <laughs> heels of that of the of the report in the Washington Post? I mean, the, the fact that it happened almost immediately, I thought, here here I am thinking logically. I thought when that report came out Friday, okay, Romney's got the gig for sure. Cuz there's yeah. n- there's no way Tillerson's going to be the guy now, right? Well, right. Uh, what do you make of that?
2: No, I I think exactly the same reaction. There's no way that you can Uh, put forward uh, somebody who has connections to Russia, uh, warm connections to Russia, as Secretary of State when this is on the table. I I don't, this is really, this is kind of the equivalent of shooting somebody in the middle of Times Square, as, as Trump said he could do and get away with.
1: I agree. That's well said. All right. Congressman John Yarmuth from Louisville. Hang in there. When we come back, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk more about the election, but from a media perspective, because I know you have a unique stance on that from your background as a newspaper owner. You're listening to the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. My name is John Zickler. This is the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. We're speaking with Democratic Congressman John Yarmuth from Louisville, Kentucky. And John, I was really eager to speak to you uh, about some of the issues related to this brave new world that we're now living in with regard to the news media after this utterly bizarre presidential election we just had. And I have a lot of theories about what really did and did not happen. I want to throw a couple of them at you and get your reaction to them. The, the first I, I'm really curious about because my theory relates to how you got elected to Congress in the first place. Uh, uh-huh. you, you got elected back in 2006 as a, a guy who was running against a, an establishment figure, a female establishment figure, an incumbent. And you were perceived as the uh, the outspoken rich guy in Louisville, Kentucky, not not as rich as Donald Trump thinks he is, but probably richer than he actually (laughs) is. Um, uh, And you had said all these utterly, supposedly insane things in your columns as a newspaper owner for over the years, and it was presumed that there was no chance you could win because you had said too many controversial things over the years, and they put out one commercial in which they hit everything all at once, and it didn't destroy you, and after that, you were basically uh, impervious to attack. Uh, and, I, and I'm curious: do you see the parallels between, even though obviously there's a lot of differences between you and Trump? Do you see the parallels from the way that Trump won this thing, and and, and the way that you won your congressional seat ten years ago?
2: Um, yeah, I, th- I think there's some, John. I, I think the, the the probably the greatest similarity is that. Uh, Voters ultimately appreciate people who they perceive as saying what they believe and are, and are authentic, and I think that's what I mean. I I had no choice in the matter because I was on the record for 15 years of of columns, so I, I couldn't uh, you know I had to own those and I did, and it wasn't a problem. I'm, I actually enjoyed owning them, um, and and Trump uh, for I, I think that was. At least initially, his greatest appeal is that he said whatever came to his mind if he clearly was not um not faking it uh nobody would nobody would say what he said if he were actually calculating the impact of,
1: of oh, I don't know about that, John. I think he might have been faking some of it i I think uh, some of it was a con job. Uh, based upon uh, perceptions of the conservative base, at least during the primaries.
2: During uh, the primary, yeah, you, know, you may be right there. You may be right there.
1: Well, but but let uh, me go. Let me take yeah. this into the media realm, though, because th- the similarity is this. See, I think that Trump actually provided the news media with too much ammunition. In other words, with Trump, there were a hundred issues. And so they went from one to the next, to the next, to the next, without ever really digging deep enough to do real damage. Meanwhile, with Hillary, it was emails, 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 emails. And that one thing, drip, drip, drip day after day after day, ended up having more impact than stories that, frankly, in a rational world would have been far more destructive, and that the news media just isn't built in this short attention span world in which we now live in, where ratings are everything, to handle a Donald Trump. you see what I'm saying there?
2: No, I think you're you're totally right there, that if you have somebody who, uh, according to the fact checkers, lied uh, 70-something percent of the time... Uh, you, can't, you can't spend all your time uh, taking him to task for each and every one of those things. No, you're absolutely right. And I think he clearly understood that you can create your own, your own reality world and that in, in this day and age, because mainstream media has been discredited for over the last 30 years to the point at which um, competitive um, outlets not vetted, uh, not nearly as as uh, um, well. I don't want to use the word legitimate, but but that's the only word I that right, comes to sure. mind. Right, the only word that comes to mind uh, that they have equal credibility in uh, with many many people, and he, he took advantage of that. And you know, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, I've been having conversations with my leadership, and I'm saying, you know, what we need to do is we need, you know, in terms of our messaging operation. We have to consider ourselves the equivalent of Fox News, uh, where we're actually a provider of information with an agenda, and we're going to we're going to put that out there, and uh, we're going to market it to as many audiences as we can. But that's the way we have to think of ourselves. We can't think of ourselves as some, you know, just kind of a. Uh, a a freestanding uh, operation and we are, we're going to put out press releases and we're going to talk to media, we have to think of ourselves as our own media outlet. And that's what Trump did. He did it very successfully and unfortunately that's the way the world works right now.
1: Now, within a minute we have left in this segment, I want to also make a, a, a comparison to another election that you mm-hmm. were a part of, the 2008 Democratic primary. See, I think that for all intents and purposes, Trump was the Obama character in in that 2008 comparison. And Hillary basically had the same thing happen to her this year that she had happened (laughs) in 2008 with this this ratings superstar, this charismatic person who was telling people what they want to hear that we had never seen before. And basically the same tidal wave hit her. Just eight years apart. I want to get your reaction to that. When we come back, we're speaking with Democratic Congressman John Yarmouth. My name is John Ziegler. This is the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. Welcome back. My name is John Zickler. This is the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. We're speaking with Democratic Congressman John Yarmuth from Louisville, Kentucky, where he and I once, uh, many years ago, hosted a television show together. He was also a newspaper owner before he became a congressman for the last uh, 10 years. And that's one of the reasons why I was really curious to get his perspective on some of the media issues related to where we are in this uh, post-election era, this uh, post-truth, post-Trump era that uh, we are now embarking on. And, John, in the last segment, I made the the analysis that I think that a lot of what Hillary had happened to her, for better or for worse, this year was very similar to the Democratic primary in 2008. I see Trump having a lot of similarities, way more than people would ever want to give him credit for, to Barack Obama. He's basically the Obama for white guys, but more (laughs) to the point with regard to the media. I think that what both Obama and Trump brought to the table media-wise was ratings and a brand-new, exciting narrative. And you know that that's what the news media thirsts for more than anything, is ratings and a juicy, easy narrative. Am I right that Hillary basically had the same thing happen to her once by Obama and once by Trump?
2: Yeah, I mean, Hillary was never going to be the bright, shiny object. And, and, and... Barack Obama was in, in 08, and even though Trump has been around a long time, he was new to the, the political arena, and he was guaranteed ratings. There's no question about that. And, you know, you can go back basically, uh, in, in my lifetime, you can go back to JFK. And he was the bright, shiny object, and, and Richard Nixon was the, um, the guy who had been around as, as vice president of, uh, clearly was not nearly as exciting or as charismatic, and the media flocked to JFK. And that, that, um, that's part of our history, but certainly with modern media. And, but, but, John, uh,
1: but it's interesting you make the, the comparison to JFK. Because, yeah, it's, it's become cliche that, you know, Nixon won the debate on radio and hmm. Kennedy won it on television. But you would acknowledge that the news media of today is far, far more ratings motivated than they were back in 1960. In 1960, you turned on your transmitter, and you, you were a money-making <laughs> machine. It didn't matter what the ratings were.
2: Well, yeah, and, and back then there was a, a sense of civic responsibility in, in news organizations right. that, that they where they were pretty much insulated from the business side of, of those networks. Uh, so, yeah, your, your point is well taken. <laughs> Things have changed but, but, radically but, since
1: then. Well, that's why I, I feel so passionately about this and why it has, to me, nothing to do with Democrat or Republican because I felt just as passionately about this in 2008 when I made a movie called Media Malpractice, how Obama got elected. I see Trump doing the exact same thing here where the news media, even though it's perceived that they were hard on him, I see that they were not that hard on Trump. In fact, the analysis, uh, the analogy I use is uh, that effectively Trump was like O.J. Simpson during his trial, and the news media was willing to call him a a domestic abuser, but not a murderer. It's it's, it's, it's a similar set of circumstances. where We're going to beat him up on the stuff that's not going to really hurt him that much, but on the stuff that would destroy him, we're not going to do it because we've got a massive conflict of interest because... He's great for ratings. Do you not agree, John? That while the news media clearly, in in their in their hearts, they didn't want Trump to win, but in their wallets, they're thrilled he won,
2: aren't they? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I go back to one one day, way back in um, uh, it was probably back in the summer, where he called a press conference, um, ostensibly about something to do with the campaign, and it was in his new hotel in Washington, and the press all showed up, and he did about a 20-minute promo for his hotel and never spoke about public business or politics or the election or whatever, and they covered him live for the entire 20 minutes of promoting his hotel. And when I, when after that, I said, oh, my God, we have, we have gone in very different territory now. The media is totally sold out for ratings with this guy.
1: But what do we do about this? Because to me, I think this genie is out of the bottle. I don't, know, I don't see any way to put it back in a post-Trump world because think about what our presidential politics are going to be like in the future, especially in, in multi-candidate races. It's going to be always the shiny object, as you refer to it, mm-hmm. that's going to get the coverage. Because now, now that the media has set this precedent— how do you ever go back?
2: It's a it's a really good question, and, and when you 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 consider it in the context of um, the, the social media and the way that uh, the, the very different ways that Americans get their information and the, the minimal role that uh, actually television news now uh, plays in in the overall scheme of things, uh, I, I'm not sure that there's there's a there's an easy way for legitimate, critical news media to reassert themselves. It's one I think one of the great threats to democracy right now.
1: Well, in the election, John, there, and there's so many different answers you could give to this question. So I'm curious what you're going to say, I, and I'm not even sure what my answer would be because because there's so many uh, possible responses. But if you had to pick one topic, one story, one element, for instance, of Trump's background that shocked you the most that it didn't become a major part of the narrative, what would it be?
2: I still believe the video from 9-11 when he was on, uh, I forget which national network, but I think it was CNBC, but he's on the network by phone. The, building, the World Trade Center is smoldering in the background, and he's talking about how his building at 40 uh, Wall Street had, used to be the tallest building in Wall Street, and then the World Trade Centers were built, and it was the second tallest. And he said, and now I guess it's going to be the tallest again. And, and I don't know how that did not dis- disqualify him. I, I, I'm, I'm mystified still that the Clinton campaign didn't do anything other than play that clip and say, and you think he cares about you? I mean, because it caps, to me, it, it, it capsulized everything about him, that it's all about him all the time. And here in one of the, great, the greatest national tragedies in our country's history, he's, thinking, he's even thinking about the fact that his building is going to be taller now.
1: I think that's definitely in the top five, but there's so many. There's so many. uh, There are so many. It's hard to choose. Now, speaking of Hillary, this week she gave a speech in which she referenced this problem of fake news, which is now getting a lot of attention and understandably so, because studies have shown in the last few weeks of the election, more people got stories from fake news stories, some of them from teenagers in macedonia you can't even make this up then got it from the new york times or from other mainstream outlets and she suggested a legislative fix for this now you and i we differ politically a lot but we're very similar when it comes to the media and free speech issues this is to me what makes this issue so difficult is how in the world Do you possibly create a legislative fix for fake news that doesn't obliterate the First Amendment?
2: No, you can't. (laughs) You clearly can't. And I I would love to hear her uh, details about the legislation she would offer. I mean, I I can't imagine, um, as a member of Congress, either introducing anything like that or even voting for anything that, that, that tried to draw a distinction, Uh, that's, you know, we have a competition of ideas, and that's actually what makes the country great, is that we do have that competition of ideas, and we have to battle it out. But there's no way you can legislate that.
1: Well, to me, these are problems that are very frustrating, because they're so obvious, they're so pervasive, they're so destructive, and yet there's no answer, right? There's no
2: answer. I mean, i you know, there's there's been, there's an email that's been going around the world for m- many years now that talks about the, the fact that, well, I shouldn't say the fact, it alleges that you know you can be elected to Congress for one one time and get full salary and your retirement for life, and that we don't have to abide by the same laws that every other citizen does, and we get our health care differently than the the Affordable Care Act. Which none of that's true. Uh, and I've had to answer that probably for people about a hundred times at wow. least. And but you know, the, that that stuff's out there, and you, just, you we just have to keep going after it. One of my biggest frustrations is that um, we, as Democrats, over the last five or six years, have never. We've just kind of said, "Oh, that's not really having an effect. Don't worry about it. We don't need to go in there and and repudiate everything that's or refute everything that's out there. It's not right." And you know, we we did that at our peril. I mean, we need to be out there. We need to be competing and saying, "No, this is not true." I mean, I remember one time, I even I even posted that this was in relation to the the Affordable Care Act, where people say we don't have to uh, we get our health care in a different way. When in fact, the law says we have to we have to buy our health insurance through the federal exchange that was set up under the Affordable Care Act, and I actually. Although I, I took a, a screenshot of the actual provision of the legislation and sent it back to people, and they said, that's not right. That's oh. Not true. <laughs> wow,
1: that pretty much says it all, right there. That that's 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 the post-truth world we're living in, John. Yep. Well, well, at least thank you for at least providing us with the uh, forty minutes of of semi-sanity before uh, having <laughs> to deal pleasure. having to deal with the this craziness moving forward. Uh, always great to talk to you, Congressman uh, Democratic Congressman John Yarmuth from Louisville. Uh, talk to you again soon.
2: Okay, John, take care. Thanks. Right.
1: Bye that, bye. That's uh, Congressman John Yarmuth. More from the Free Speech Broadcasting Network in just a moment welcome back my name is john Ziegler. this is the free speech broadcasting network i hope you caught our interview with democratic congressman john yarmouth for the first uh, three quarters of this hour if you didn't You can catch on the podcast uh, shortly after this uh, three-hour show is over with at freespeechbroadcasting.com. And one of the reasons that uh, I wanted to have John on and why I like talking to him is that even though we disagree on almost everything politically, as you can tell, especially when it comes to the news media, we are at least dealing from the same playbook. We at least agree on what the words on the pages are. We might differ on the interpretation or what ought to be done about them but we're we're basically dealing with with the same set of facts and we accept what the basic truths are with you know within reason what's so frustrating now in this post Trump world and Trump's not all of the reason for this but he's the one that has mastered this and I think taken it to a new level and it's being referred to I think rightfully as this post truth world is that It doesn't matter what the truth is anymore. People will believe whatever they want to. And a large part of that is the news media's fault because the news media has lost, rightfully, their credibility, especially to people on the conservative side. I mean, I'm in the bizarre situation of numerous times during this election defending the mainstream news media. I'm the biggest mainstream news media critic that there is. I've done several documentary films, including the one I referenced, Media Malpractice, How Obama Got Elected. I've devoted most of my career to trying to educate people as to why and how they should not trust the mainstream news media on major stories or specific types of stories. But that doesn't mean they're always wrong. And for Trump to be the guy to benefit from this is mind-blowing. I have referenced in my columns for media numerous times that it's very much like O.J. Simpson being the one black guy to benefit from the legacy of alleged racism against police. The le- the guy who least deserved it, getting off of double murder because of real racism in the past. Well, because of real media bias and real media malpractice, Trump ends up benefiting from it when there was almost no media inaccuracies against him. I mean, there were some, obviously, some exaggerations, but... By and large, I would just, whenever Trump says, oh, the media is so unfair, so deceitful, so incompetent, well, he's right in the general, but what about in the specific? How about an example, big guy? He hardly ever gives examples because there aren't any. And with regard to this post truth world, I realize that as a talk show host, heard on mostly conservative radio stations throughout this formerly great nation of ours, soon to be great again, if Donald Trump has his way. I realize that you're supposed to not say bad things about the Republican presidential, not candidate anymore, presidential elect, that he's going to be the guy who makes America great again. Let's get on board. Well, I'm hoping for him to do well. He needs to do well for all of us, but that doesn't mean we throw the truth out the window, but that's what it seems like it means now. It seems like that's what's required, that to be supportive of Trump, you just got to leave your conscience at the door you got to engage in constant hypocrisy constant contradictions there are no principles and there is no truth perfect example friday night story comes out the cia has concluded with great certitude that russia purposely hacked this election in order to try to help donald trump get elected wow in a remotely rational world That is a bombshell of epic proportions. How does Trump respond? Well, his transition team put out a statement, which I have referred to already in this first hour as what seemed like a parody, but it was not a parody. The fact that this is an actual statement from our president-elect to a story of that level of seriousness, regardless of of whether you're a Democrat or Republican, the fact that a an enemy of the United States successfully hacked into our election and got the result that they wanted, I mean, if that doesn't bother you, I'm sorry, then you, you, you're not going to get anything out of this program because you don't really care about the country, you don't care about principle, and you don't care about the truth. Now, I realize that there's, you know, the FBI is still not quite 100% sure. I think that might have more to do with What's going on politically within the FBI than what the facts are? But here's the statement by the Trump transition team. This statement right here is one of the most mind blowing things I've ever seen from a president or a president. No, it is. It is the most mind blowing thing I've ever seen from a president elect. Transition statement on claims of foreign interference in U.S. elections. Dateline, New York, New York. Three sentences. These are the same people that said Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction. The election ended a long time ago in one of the biggest electoral college victories in history. It's now time to move on and make America great again. If you had said, John, I want you to create a three-sentence satire or parody of what Trump's team might put out under those circumstances. And you had given me a lot of, um, I don't do drugs, so I would be easily influenced by them, hallucinogenic drugs to try to give me some inspiration. I could never have come up with those three sentences. Let's just go through all of the inaccuracies or lies. These are the same people. No, they are not. The leadership of the CIA is completely different than it was before the Iraq war. So they're not the same people that said Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction. And by the way, the implication there is that that was a lie by the intelligence agencies. There's no evidence it was a lie. It might not even have been a mistake. We still don't know that 100%, but it, it appears as if it, there was at least some something of a mis- mistake that was done by the intelligence agency, but not a lie as is implied here with regard to whether or not Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction, as if, by the way, that would even necessarily be relevant in a three-sentence response to this story that had nothing to do with Saddam Hussein. Second sentence, the election ended a long time ago. Maybe in Donald Trump's short attention span universe it did. It was just over a month ago. In fact, it was exactly a month ago when this statement was released. That's not a long time ago. He's not even president yet. And it was not one of the biggest electoral college victories in history. It was not even close. In fact, it was one of the top 10 closest electoral college victories in history. And he lost the popular vote by well over 2 million votes. Third sentence, it's now time to move on and make America great again. Move on from what? Move on? We're not even going to get to the bottom of this? Move on? Uh, Even if Donald Trump hadn't praised Putin numerous times, even if there weren't credible allegations of ties between Trump and Russia, and even if Putin hadn't praised Trump, even if you take all that out of that, It's insane to think that this is something we should just move on from without any investigation and then throw in a campaign slogan, make America great again. That's like out of George Orwell's 1984, that statement. Three sentences, non-sequiturs, lies, having nothing to do with the issue, and no denial that it's true. More in hour number two coming up next on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.